and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that get us challenged, get us thinking about ourselves, our community, and the world around us, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we've made the connection. So glad that you're joining us today. Rick Bernardo is my co-host. Hi, that's me. And Yvette Erasmus is joining us again. Good morning. And if you do, good morning. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, and if you haven't uh, heard Yvette in some of our last shows uh, that we've done with her, she's just absolutely amazing. Uh, she has a background in a master's of science, clinical psychology, a doctorate of clinical psychology. But what she does is just blend it all together and she's very down to earth and very creative and gets us thinking about our communication, our relationship skills um, and helps us and supports us in thinking about how to be – how to embrace authenticity, um, how how to become more empowered uh, and what does it mean to be a, a, a connected self? What does that look like? So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the shows that you've been doing with us. It's a pleasure. I um, I know that we, we start the show usually with uh, one of your statements that you do that I love so much. Everything changes mm-hmm. when you do. Um, what I'd like to be thinking about today is is some of us are actually getting ready for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And – you know, it seems like summer gets behind us and then bang, it's, it's autumn and that Thanksgiving's <laughs> around the corner, Christmas yeah. is coming up. Um, and there are stories in our head about what that all means. There are stories from our childhood of what those holidays meant. Um, there's movies all over Hallmark about, you know, what we, you know, could look at as the, you know, the romantic or the challenged or whatever. There are stories in our head that we have the power to reframe. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you think about all that. Mm. Well, I yeah. I mean, we are the sum of our experiences, aren't we? Like mm-hmm. everything that we've been through in life sort of collects in our unconscious mm-hmm. and then shows up in the in the present moment. And, you know, let's just think a little bit about holidays with family, that tends to be very triggering for people. I know mm-hmm. that I always see an uptick in sessions <laughs> around this time of the year. Everybody uh-huh. wants to get in because we want to get ready to, you know, spend that holiday gathering in a way this year that's going to be different. I know that in the past, and I, I've broken some of the traditions, but in the past I felt when I the whole family got together, mm-hmm. I was assigned an age that I was still treated as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I, I felt yeah. I was 14. Again. No matter how yeah. old I became, <laughs> yes. I was embraced and treated as the mm-hmm. 14-year-old that was the designated mm-hmm. age that, that the family mm-hmm. wanted to celebrate me mm-hmm. is the nice way I'm putting it <laughs> That's now. That's the nice way to put it, yes. <laughs> That's a good reframe there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So what's that about? Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. It's interesting when you use the words like assigned to me because yeah. I think there's kind of a mutual interaction. It's mm-hmm. both what your family members are projecting on you, mm-hmm. right, and then mm-hmm. sort of seeing you through the filters. Mm-hmm. But it's also sort of the level of development that we sort of unconsciously regress to. 
when we move back into family of origin situations, mm -hmm. we sort of, we, without even realizing it, if we're not aware of it, we default back into whatever role we are familiar with in the family. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do that differently today, you know, the first step, of course, is just getting aware of it. Mm -hmm. Because once you're aware of it, once you see this pattern, once you catch yourself, it's in the moments of awareness that we have choice. We don't really have a choice about it until we become aware of it. Until you see it. Right. I've often thought that the reason why I was for, uh, I either was assigned, embraced, or mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. uh, we renegotiated every time yep. <laughs> is that that was the age of the tragedy in our family, mm. where it, it was around early December. My father had his first stroke, mm -hmm. and then um, just before Christmas, Christmas Eve, he had a more devastating stroke, mm -hmm. and then just before New Year's, mm -hmm. he, he it took. Almost everything. Mm -hmm. So there were three occurrences that almost got celebrated every year, year mm -hmm. after year, mm -hmm. that this happened. Now, it's mm -hmm. not really celebrated, but it was a mourning and mm -hmm. a remembrance. And it, we kind of got stuck in mm -hmm. having that be replayed every year. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And as a 14-year-old, that, that was my – you know, mm -hmm. that's where I came back to in terms of taking care of everyone as a 14-year-old, which was not always um, a healthy way of <laughs> handling things. Yeah. Um, but we replay. It's almost like a story we step back into. Well, we're not so good in some of our cultures. I mean, different cultures around the world are different. But let me say it like this. If a family doesn't have the tools to process and complete the closure and the mourning mm -hmm. and the the processing together of moving through – an experience. Mm -hmm. If we live in a certain kind of family where we're supposed to override the experience, yes. cope, be super resilient, get through it, mm -hmm. there's more of a risk of then sort of repeating it because what each person is actually trying to do is complete the grieving process. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we have cultures where people cry together and wail and tell the stories and stay in the process together long enough, we actually metabolize the experience, get some closure. This is where rituals can be really helpful mm -hmm. in then letting it go and then moving forward. And when we don't really do that emotional work in, in situations like that or in families or in our personal lives, mm -hmm. then we tend to sort of reenact it because there's unresolved emotional work that is still trying to complete. And sometimes the pressure or the storyline of the holidays are to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, so we just mm -hmm. want to be happy, but we're mm -hmm. we're not holding both joy mm -hmm. and pain mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. We're not. Mm -hmm. We're we're trying to perform happy. That's right. That's right. So when we don't work with life as it's emerging because we have a different agenda mm -hmm. and then we put life on its own terms on hold so that we can try to fabricate some different experience that we think we're supposed to having, mm -hmm. then these are the things that we'll keep revisiting. And, and we experience them as we're getting stuck in something. Mm -hmm. When actually, if you're talking about reframing, if you mm -hmm. don't think of it as getting stuck and you instead go, oh, there's a repeating pattern, let me lean into it. Let me actually fully feel what wants to come up this time. Let mm -hmm. me find out what it is that is still trying to move through me and let me get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Then we actually begin completing experiences. And if we can do that together in a family, it's very bonding. It actually creates a lot of connection and togetherness and closure. What happens in that family if there are some that, want, that are looking to go through it mm -hmm. and – 
another doesn't recognize the pattern yet and is still dealing with anger because that it's the systems, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how does the system all mm-hmm. function together to heal mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. if not everyone is ready for that? What does that look like? Well, we meet people where they're at and mm-hmm. we never force anybody. This would be my advice anyway. Yeah. Never force anybody to go somewhere that they're not ready to go. Mm-hmm. But back to the idea that everything changes when we do. Mm-hmm. If I, as an individual, show up in my family with a different consciousness and a different ability to relax around feelings and a presence and a willingness to be with whatever is showing up, mm-hmm. and I've done my own work of not trying to project some sort of a template onto how and who everybody should be, mm-hmm. then the way that I'm showing up in that family system is going to ripple out and impact other people. Now, we don't know what the impact is. <laughs> if somebody doesn't want to get more emotionally aware, it might create a lot of distress mm-hmm. and a lot of like um, ripples that feel very disorganizing mm-hmm. to the same patterns that everybody else is wanting to stay in. And then we want to learn how to tolerate the discomfort if that's important to us. And sometimes it brings an opening where if I'm willing to sit with my feelings and bring a certain kind of presence, other people also settle into that because they've been longing for the same thing. But we don't really know. Right. And it doesn't really matter. You you do your own work, you figure out what it is that's good for you and you bring a connected and loving and present self and then you let go of the outcome. You find out how people are going to react to that and then you get more data. <laughs> <laughs> and then with that data, you can make adaptions or not. That's right. D- depending on It's all about being in that moment, isn't it? It is. And it's also about dropping the agenda that other people have to be happy Mm -hmm. or Or the responsibility to to Exactly. Yeah. Or whatever it is. You know, like we just begin, you know, if you think about if you want to do your holidays differently this year, set an intention to just go in and gather data. (laughs) Just (laughs) be a scientist. (laughs) Be a scientist. Just go in and say, I'm going to really feel into What it feels like to be around all of my family members today in my present moment self. And I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to gather the data. So you're sitting there and you're feeling um, some kind of discomfort. Yeah. What's a question you ask yourself when you're feeling that discomfort? They might not, we might not know exactly what that discomfort means. Mm, the just very noticing. First, the very first question is Am I willing to be uncomfortable right now? Is it okay? That this is uncomfortable. Can I sit with my own discomfort without doing anything about it right now? That would be the first thing. Wow. Yeah. Can I relax into the discomfort? This is uncomfortable. It's good to know that. When I'm talking to XYZ family member, I'm noticing a particular kind of discomfort in me. What is it? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it bracing? <laughs> is it disgust? Is it disappointment? Is it sadness? What is the nature of the discomfort? Mm-hmm. That is so great because a lot of the times when something like that comes up for me, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have this joke that it's like, I'm not in denial. I just don't want to talk about it or think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm in denial. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just kind of don't want to go there because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if I can just even a little bit, there's something that can begin to unravel. Mm-hmm. And, and I can look at that. Uh, and I also remember, and that's thinking of unraveling, John Bradshaw. Yeah. He used to have this mob- mobile. Uh, he would, and, and it's like families are like that. You you touch one of them and they all Everything jingle and jangle. Yeah. You know? Yep, exactly. Uh, I thought that was a, a wonderful metaphor, and that allowed me, well, for for example, to. I'm the eldest of three kids, and at, at some point, I was able to say with my family. I felt like I was responsible for everything, mm. uh, and um, 
And now my dad will joke, well, Ricky was expected to be 21 when he's three years old. Mm -hmm. And they know that now. That's such a gift Mm because in the intervening decades, I get to be a child and be goofy comedy and do music and play and all that way more than I would if I stayed in that role or mm-hmm. uh, or didn't and, and they've been really good with me with that so but that's a that's a, such a gift to be able to just say that to them and go I can't, I can't be all of that all of the time you know when did you recognize that that was the story I think it was after um, <laughs> one of my <laughs> acting out or just journeys is like leaving home. Um, there were some things that happened where between feeling responsible and when parents are just in their young 20s, they don't know what they're doing to raise. And so I had the thought, now I can look back and go, these people are crazy. I got to leave. <laughs> and it's not really literally true, but uh-huh. I, when I went to college mm-hmm. and I lived, did not live at home anymore, I started to have a different perspective. Um, and that led to all of these different conversations I had with other family. In our next segment, I'd like to explore um, the fighting less Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there can be a lot of tensions at the holidays because we do have expectations. And if someone doesn't live up to our expectations or if we're feeling we're not living up to someone else's but we don't know how to negotiate or just sit with Mm -hmm. um, and explore our data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'd like to look at that in our next segment. Um, But before we do, I want to make sure that we give um, out for everyone your your website, which Mm. is excellent. Um, Yvette, Y-V-E-T-T-E, Erasmus, E-R-A-S-M-U-S dot com. That's Yvette Erasmus dot com. Um, wonderful site to learn all sorts of good things and connect up with Yvette. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we've had the privilege of Yvette Erasmus joining us. Uh, for the, We've done a series since June mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Um, Yvette guiding us and thinking about our authentic selves and how to claim that for ourselves and well yeah I, there's a moment i will never forget during the holidays um i was in right out of graduate school and uh i would go from california to connecticut because i lived in california for s- decades and uh, basically there was uh, in, in sort of a conversation that would come up with my father and we've talked about this so it's not you know it's it's fine if he hears this because uh, he knows um he would worry about me, like I didn't have a, a, a track in my life. And I was actually in the middle of, you know, I was yet to be on America's Funniest People. I was yet to direct public health programs around uh, different states in the country and all these things. I was on the path to creating that, but it looked like he doesn't know what he's doing. And we had that conversation and I got fed up. And started to leave the room, and my dad sort of burst out, go ahead, leave like you generally do, or like you always do. I mean, this is like Italian emotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like like it was was bigger than I'm saying. And I had a moment, and I I encourage everybody, if you hear a little whisper that you hadn't heard before in your head, and it was really quick, but I stopped, and it was like, he's afraid. He's angry, but I, I got that. He's acting like he's afraid that I'm going to leave because I am. <laughs> yeah. And and I do mm-hmm. leave. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, so I had that moment and I stopped and I thought, what, I mean, it just happened very quickly. I thought, what if I saw him as somebody that's not my father who's supposed to know how to be a father in this situation? What if I just stop, just let that go in the moment? He's just somebody who's afraid. Mm -hmm. And it it changed our relationship. I, 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 I apologize it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I can tell you're afraid I'm, I'm going to leave, and I know I'm gone a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And then I assured him, but I acknowledged what I, I, in a way, I had never seen what he was feeling, in a way he couldn't even say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got so much out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be able to do that, to let go of the, the role he was supposed to be in, mm-hmm. in quotes, mm-hmm. and see him as uh, somebody who was frightened and, and missed me. Mm-hmm. That changed everything, and that can happen. I think also when there are holidays that people are coming oh. to visit each other. Oh yeah, and there is a coming and going, and there is a, a longing um, and a fear. Um, recently, I've had more experiences when I've seen people angry, and it hasn't necessarily gotten me angry, but I've I've looked at I've looked at the situation, felt into my own data since I'm well, I'm not angry, but they're mm-hmm. angry. Why is <laughs> what's going on here? Um, to be able to see something different because mm-hmm. I think we also can put a judgment on anger. We get scared around anger and I think it's such a beautiful example of rehumanizing instead of seeing somebody through a role mm-hmm. and reducing them to the role of father or the role of son and actually seeing the full humanity of what's happening in that moment because mm-hmm. when you connect with what's in someone's heart – and you can see through the anger to the pain, to the fear, to the longing, mm-hmm. to the desperation, to the helplessness, then we have a pathway to actually connecting with the humanity of the other person instead of getting stuck in our own defensive states. And trying to prove we're right. Exactly. Because that's what anger seems like it comes down to mm-hmm. is I'm right, you're wrong. Why don't you just agree with me? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At what point can we allow ourselves not to have to agree mm-hmm. and have that be okay, but then be able to be open to share how we feel differently? I tend to think of anger as a combination of two things. There's a deeply unmet need and a fear that the person has. Mm-hmm. And then it's covered up with a lot of judgment that it shouldn't be so. Mm-hmm. And to the degree that our attention is on the judgment, we will get righteous and forceful and violent mm-hmm. interpersonally or physically. Mm-hmm. And to the degree that we can get our attention on the deep need that is trying to get acknowledged, we can relax and rehumanize and actually find a way forward through anger. Mm -hmm. But if we make the mistake of thinking that anger has to be aggressive, we're just going to get fearful ourselves and then we're going to fight if we think we can win and we're going to flee like you were describing Mm -hmm. if we don't think we can win. Midwesterners have a hard time. With fighting. Do they? We do. Well, uh, <laughs> directly, uh, perhaps. Directly. <laughs> they, they, yeah. Let me, there, there's still uh, anger issues. Yeah. <laughs> but the fighting seems to be not nice. It's it's underground and subversive and sideways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's very difficult to get your finger on it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's for, still there, for, but it, it's not direct. No, it's indirect aggression usually. 
And right, and right on those notes, I always try to remember, for me, first of all, but anybody else I'm friends with, if it can help, what are you, I see anger as protective. What are you trying to protect? If you can kind of even get there a little bit, there are some other choices about but um, I used to be the king of not getting angry because uh, <laughs> I pushed my brother over when we were kids and gave him a concussion. So um, I have worked really hard at getting back in the saddle of knowing when I'm angry and how to express it and not being afraid of it in turn either. Yeah, yeah well, it's such powerful, transformative energy if we know how to channel it for a life-affirming purpose. Um, Some, yeah. Go ahead. But sometimes it seems like what a person says they're angry about may not be what they're really angry about. Oh, yeah. So sure. so the anger about let's say just differences in politics. Mm-hmm. It, Mm-hmm. Very much feels to me like there's something else going on so, with, yeah. with that that yeah. anger in politics, and yeah. you're right, and I'm wrong, and this is the way to think. And a hundred percent, I I absolutely agree with that. So if we go with that assumption that people mm-hmm. get angry and they're not sure why they're angry, then the very first thing we should learn how to do is ask a lot more questions in the early stages, mm-hmm. because we need a little bit of space to become aware of what is really important to us. Mm-hmm. And if we can ask those questions, it seems like such and such is important to you. Is it about this value? Is it about that value? Is it about this principle? Is it about that principle? As opposed to in the early stages getting too hung up on the rightness or wrongness of, yeah. a, of a particular thing. Mm-hmm. Then we can all get a little bit more awareness about what's really driving this before we dive in to grappling with it. So in the last few minutes we mm-hmm. have, people may be afraid that they're going to get into fights with their family. Mm-hmm. And – what are some things that we can help people think about um, to allow them to have um, a more authentic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. time during the holidays with their family? Well, three very simple things that are really hard to do. Mm-hmm. One, relax into all emotions. Just work on relaxing your nervous system when somebody is sad or upset or angry or Whatever it is, just learn to regulate your own emotions. Relax into it. Nothing bad is happening. Somebody's just having a feeling. Mm -hmm. The second piece is ask, I wonder what is important to them about this. Why does this matter? What is important about this? What is the thing that they're trying to get at that is so deeply important to them? Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is keep your attention on what would help. Not what is wrong, but what would help. What is needed right now? What would help right now? How can I show up in this moment in a way that is a contribution mm-hmm. as opposed to a defense? What would help maybe not saying anything? Maybe. Sometimes it's just about being present. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do the old thing that I always do, which is jump in and, and diagnose you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. Okay. And when you're being diagnosed, just yes. think it is kind of like, well, that's interesting, yeah. that yeah. perspective. Yeah. And, and, Without I be- it. and I believe humans are, have some wiring in them that w- – by default, goes to mm-hmm. the quote, and something is wrong here. Yeah. And anything about any way to let that go yeah. in terms of, yeah. well, what would help? What would help? What is needed right now? Would, would be so freeing yeah. and, and create peace within mm-hmm. to start with, mm-hmm. and then everything could flow from there outside of us too. Yep. But yep. it also achieves what you talked about in the last segment in terms of what we really want mm-hmm. ultimately is contributory mm-hmm. to the whole. It yep. is contributory to the, the community. Yeah. Um, People want to be seen. They want to be known. They want to be seen and known for who they are on their terms and they want to be accepted. 
And when we can begin getting those foundational blocks in place, then people can change in a way that doesn't feel to them like a submission of who they are. And that's really important. It's really important for people to change on their own terms for reasons that make sense to them, not to make other people happy. And when we can get to that point mm-hmm. of trusting our gut, mm-hmm. uh, trusting who we are is a good thing, mm-hmm. um, and being able to express it, approval is not as important. No, connection and intimacy becomes much more important and collaboration and co-creation and – How can I help? Yes. <laughs> helping one another out in ways that are actually energizing for both people becomes mm-hmm. a whole new game. So much more satisfying. Well, I want to make sure that folks know how to connect with you, Yvette. You've been such a blessing uh, for these last few months uh, to come in and share your knowledge, your thoughts, your inspiration. Uh, so to uh, find out more about Yvette, you can go to her website, which is yvetteerasmus.com, but I'm going to spell it for you, Y-V-E-T-T-E-E-R-A-S-M-U-S.com. And in at that website, she has videos, she has thoughts, she has ways to connect, and you've got a podcast. I do. Do I share podcast, about that podcast. Conversations from the Heart. Every Wednesday morning, I do a free Q&A session. Anybody can join that. And then the replays of that Q&A session get turned into the podcast, which is very fun. It's a lot about um, scripting and applications, like how does this actually work in real life? So you, you can still get more with Yvette on her podcast. And we just thank you again thank for you, being part you. of Connections Radio. Radio show. Thank you, thank you. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. Rick Bernardo, our co-host today. Hi, Rick. Yes, hi. And Yvette Erasmus, who has been visiting us. She's joined us for four shows mm-hmm. to talk about um, ways that we can look at how are we communicating, how are we connecting, um, how do we how do we embrace our most authentic self and mm-hmm. claim that for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we've been sharing at the top of um, our shows with Yvette is everything changes when you do. It takes some willingness to let go mm-hmm. in order to change. Mm-hmm. Let go of what we've thought is. Right, wrong, true, false. Mm-hmm. Um, this is who I am, and everyone else just has to get over it. Um, some pride, some fear. Mm-hmm. Um, the changes that that you see in working with people um, coming to you, going, this just isn't working. Yeah. To now feeling like they understand how to make it work. Yeah. What sort of trajectory do you see with people who are just starting to open up to? what they can gain for themselves over a period of time Mm. of recognizing um, new ways of thinking and doing. Well, I think a lot of the people that I work with are trying to live from a place of authenticity and integrity. And so the struggle that many of them are having is how do I bring my real self, my authentic self? How do I show up without my masks, without my defenses, and still be safe and mm-hmm. still be connected to other people. You know, will I be accepted? Will I be, you know, loved for who I actually am? And not the role I'm performing. And not the performative role that I've learned, mm-hmm. you know, to and, – and it's important for us to be able to perform in certain ways in certain situations. But I mm-hmm. think a lot of the journey for the people that I work with is the reclaiming of myself and staying connected to the people that I love. 
some of the work has been inspired by peace. Yes. Tell me about that. By peacemaking. Well, mm-hmm. we begin making peace with ourselves. And that that journey is be, being able to see the difference between my socialized self, the self that I – my adaptive self, the self that I needed to develop in order to stay safe in whatever family of origin, cultural context I grew up in. And then that authentic, deeper inner voice that is a little countercultural and a little bit scary, but also very, very compelling. And so the first journey of peacemaking is really understanding myself and reconnecting to myself, my feelings, my needs, owning my stories, Mm -hmm. owning my meaning-making system, telling the story of how I came to be who I experience myself as now. And then learning to see what's good about that because we live in cultures where we have so much indoctrination into pathologizing ourselves and seeing what's wrong with ourselves that that's a big piece of the first piece of unraveling and undoing is actually reclaiming what's good about that. So often I hear people, I just want to have it be on my own terms Mm -hmm. that I, I, I feel like the world's around me, but what are my terms? Yeah. Is that part of that journey is exploring what your, ter- you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote terms are? Yeah. So it, it you know, it is for some people, mm-hmm. you know, like I would say there's two big moves that we make. Either we're bringing ourselves up from shame and we're reclaiming ourselves like I want my truth. I need to bring me back online right? because my pattern of adaptations were self-negating. Mm-hmm. I think I'm bad and everybody else is good. So I keep submitting to everybody else. I keep going away to make everybody else happy. Mm-hmm. So people who have that style of defense, it's very much about bringing myself back online. But the other way that people can go is into grandiosity. Mm-hmm. And I'm just better than everyone else. And everybody else has to change and be like me. And I don't understand what the problem is. You're mm-hmm. all the problem. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And if that's the adaptation, it's the other way around. Yeah. Then what I'm really learning to do is bring myself back down into shared humanity and the kind of humility that isn't like um, shame-based or humiliation-based, but the kind of humility that allows you to just connect with other imperfect, messy humans mm-hmm. and be allowed to be part of the human race and not have to be so special, so extraordinary, so superhuman all the time. Or along those lines, that same grandiosity can sometimes lead to permission for a whole group of people to be better than another group Mm -hmm. and a whole grandiosity in Mm -hmm. terms of, well, everyone else is just stupid. Exactly. So Um, this is a kind of an arrogance and superiority that mm -hmm. is deeply fragmenting Mm -hmm. and not really helpful. And actually people, you know, yes, you have your people who are just like you, but it's a very lonely position to be in Mm -hmm. existentially. Mm -hmm. Because we're interdependent. We're actually wired for interdependence and ecological connected relationships with one another. Mm -hmm. And if we start fragmenting that out, it gets very, very lonely over time. Fragmenting and dismissing. That's beautiful. I agree. And speaking of which, when you said the word terms in ethics, especially business ethics, terms very often means something very limited, Mm -hmm. which is very imprisoning for everybody. So it means something measurable, commodified, um, time-based. All of those things um, are good to measure certain things, but as I often will tell my classes, it it can be like looking at a beautiful sunset through a straw, Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll miss most wisdom traditions and healthy families even know that 
the important things aren't always measurable. They are about our relationships and our dependence and, you know, uh, uh, deeper sacred elements. I think that's part of the frustration that people come up with and why they want change. And as we get older, especially, we start to look at, well, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of doing Mm -hmm. and we've done a lot of doing for Mm -hmm. the last X number of years. Mm -hmm. So has there been a purpose Mm -hmm. or not? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? How how do we do that self? And and do I want to continue in this same Mm storyline? Do I want to continue – when it's not feeling like it's working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever somebody is asking that question, there's a vision that is trying to emerge inside of them of mm-hmm. a better way. Mm-hmm. And I think another piece of it is really giving some time and attention to what is it that you're imagining would be better? Mm-hmm. What are you longing for in this family system? What kind mm-hmm. of relationships are you actually longing for? Mm-hmm. Take some time to get really, really clear on what you're reaching for. It's interesting. We don't really ask ourselves enough mm-hmm. or, or ask each other what we want. Yes. What do you want? Yes. It seems like such a simple question, mm-hmm. but you can get wrapped up um, on an idea or mm-hmm. uh, this is what needs to happen mm-hmm. or, and not just really step back to, mm-hmm. to what you do when you're a kid of knowing what you want. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. kids know yeah. what they want, yes. and, which is great and priceless. Mm-hmm. When did we stop giving ourselves permission to want something. When grown-ups said you can't have what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's when that happened. You have to put your wants away. This is not the time. You have to be in school. You want to play. You don't get to play. Mm-hmm. You want to eat. It's not time to eat. You want to mm-hmm. sleep. It's not time to sleep. Like we get a lot of training early on. Some of us do. Mm-hmm. That what we want in that moment is actually not what's important. What's important is behaving in compliant ways to authority figures and being obedient. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Talk about being uncomfortable. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, that's another version of um, if I want something, I'm, I'm trying to get – well, I am much better at wanting things. And, but that's different than am I going to get it and expecting it. But, you know, uh, there are certain things I – I want to see wonderful things for other people. It's great to want that. I like that. I can't make. I can't fix it all, though. Just an example. But uh, sometimes it's even more selfish. I just. I want to go to Italy. I want to do them. So is that selfish? Uh, I don't think it's either or. You know, again, this is a heartfelt ethics question. Sometimes yeah. it will serve other people and me at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to go for. But uh, I don't think it's. Uh, it's something about me, but it's also about a lot of other people, my family, my ancestors. And so anyway, I, I like the crossroads where our own deepest joys, and I say deepest, it doesn't have to be, you know, I want candy today, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the world's needs might meet. I think that's a wonderful place to kind of focus on. Just yeah. I, I look at things like what do I want and then – is that enough, what mm. I want? Or is it too much? Mm. And is there a way to to look at wants mm-hmm. differently as we've gotten older and we've got these experiences? Mm-hmm. Well, I like going back to Dr. Marshall Rosenberg's ideas of universal human needs, the mm-hmm. intrinsic motivators that help us survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. I think we have an internal blueprint that gives each one of us guidance about what it is that we want or what is needed in order for us to thrive in our lives. And I think 
being mammals, we are wired in that blueprint to what you were saying, Rick, for, for the things that we actually genuinely want to also be things that serve other people. I, I, you know, I do think that when I live into my fullest purpose, that that is a contribution to my communities. And when I don't heal my pain or I don't achieve what it is that I'm meant to do, that I'm taking something away from my communities, that mm-hmm. these things are not as uh, separable as a part of us might think, mm-hmm. you know? And if we've been nurtured in a culture of individualism. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, and competitiveness. Yeah. Where your gain is my loss, right. that is a problematic mindset. Instead of your gain is our gain. Exactly. Which and is a much more interdependent way of thinking about mm-hmm. it. Like the tide rises, you know, lifts up all, all boats, boats yep, right? Yep. That's a much better way than if one boat goes up, all the other boats go down. No, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that way. Or the pie, if you take a piece of pie, there's mm-hmm. less pie instead of making a bigger pie. Yes. You know, there's yes. an abundance to that pie. Mm-hmm. Lots of flour, lots of fruit. We mm-hmm. can do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, exactly. Which gets to another subject that I, I hoped that we'd be able to get to, and that's flourish. Mm-hmm. Um I think we all want to flourish. Yep. I mean, it, it sounds good. <laughs> but we don't always know what flourishing means. Mm-hmm. And we don't always recognize when we are flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, what for you in, in, in your studies as well mm-hmm. as working with people, mm-hmm. what allows a person to, to, to flourish? The more they trust themselves. That's what it comes down to over and over again. Uh-huh. And the things that disconnect us from self-trust have to do with the ways in which we've been oppressed, repressed, and traumatized. Mm -hmm. So the self-trust piece is really learning to cue into the wisdom of your own system, which can be very difficult for people who have learned that they are inherently bad or wrong or flawed, and therefore they, they are untrustworthy, and therefore they outsource their wisdom to any external authority. So they don't trust their gut. Nope. And they look to others for approval. And yep. if what they're doing gets approval, then that's, that is what they're going to do. And it doesn't matter if it's self-sabotaging or self-negating. That's the mm-hmm. thing they're going to do to, quote unquote, stay safe in their relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And that's a very individual and deep, long journey for mm-hmm. a lot of people. But this mm-hmm. idea of like learning to trust what you want, learning to trust the motivations that are rising inside of you. Mm-hmm. Learning how to feel all of the feelings of your life, which is Mm -hmm. part of your internal guidance system, without being a slave to your feelings. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to like always look for comfort. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking about the comfort junkie kind of, you know, approach of I have to feel good all the time. You know, the, the emotional intelligence piece there is the ability to feel every feeling and then connect that feeling to the need that wants to be met. So if I'm feeling sad, I have a need for mourning. Mm -hmm. I need to grieve. And then there's a willingness to allow those energies to move through me like the weather so that they can release so that I can get back into the present moment. Otherwise, we are so full of filters of unprocessed past experiences that we don't have access to wisdom for the present moment because we're still hijacked by memories of the past. It's funny you should say that. It reminds me of when I'd want to take my mom to a movie and she goes, is that a sad movie? And I'm like, well, <laughs> there might be some sadness. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. And mm-hmm. it, it was, I don't want to go to a sad movie. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. And it was like, well, why don't you want to go to a sad movie? I mean, it's just a movie. Mm-hmm. She goes, if I start being sad, I'll never stop crying. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. I hear that so often. Oh, so many people think that. And you know what's so funny is when you start crying, usually it's a minute or two. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's 15 <laughs> minutes before, you know, like that's pretty much all your body needs. <laughs> it's really not a forever thing. <laughs> We're laughing. It's yeah. not a light thing, but yeah. it is a temporary thing. Yeah. Well, but to honor ourselves, to allow ourselves to have that fear that – we literally, and I think she literally believed that mm-hmm. she could not come back yeah. after starting to cry. Yeah, yeah. And how to give anyone that assurance? Yeah, because uh-huh. I don't, I don't think until the very end, yeah, did she ever really let herself cry? Yeah, and then when she did, yeah. it might have been nice if we'd done it a little earlier. <laughs> well, and just a couple of things: yeah. if you have somebody in your life who is saying that, or mm-hmm. if you're one of the people feeling that, mm-hmm. my first piece of just counsel to that is: don't do it alone. Be, you know, set up some time. I've often said this in the programs that I run, like set aside time every day for crying. You should be crying every day, like brushing your teeth. Like just this ability to just allow feelings to move through and metabolize and process. Mm -hmm. Let your heart break a little bit every day and give yourself a minute or two to connect with that experience. And then you can put it away and you can move on with the rest of your life. And if there's some deeply unprocessed stuff, find a good therapist, find a good friend and just say, I need to create a container where I very intentionally dip into the sadness and I feel it and I move some of it through and then I can put it away and get on with the rest of my day. And I'm just going to make that a daily practice until the weight of it has been metabolized. When you said that this time, this was the first time I've thought about the exercise of heartbreaking and being able to allow ourselves to heartbreak Mm -hmm. allows us also then to reconnect. Yes. If we have not been broken, then we may be holding on by a strand. Oh, yeah. you know, why not just <laughs> yeah. let the heart break, yeah. but then be intentional of how does that then get connected after it's broken? Yeah. What What do you yeah. need to do mm-hmm. that allows you then in that process of allowing it to break? Every time your heart breaks and you come back from it, your heart is stronger and softer and more supple. But it's got a strength. It can mm-hmm. hold more from life. Well, but it when, is a muscle. It we is. Talk about, exactly. We talk always, about it being a muscle. Uh, but how do we work? I mean, that's, that's right. a wonderful exercise mm-hmm. to think about mm-hmm. in terms of to exercise that muscle. Mm-hmm. Allow yeah, yourself like to, to embrace that heartbreak yeah. every day. The alternative mm-hmm. is that you get brittle and rigid. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, I see, and, and it mm-hmm. feels to me that becomes very thin. Yes. You know, it becomes a very thin stretch and just holding on so that you won't. Yes. Um, but when when you do get brittle and you do like smash that fragile thing, yeah. you can make a really cool mosaic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the spirit of nothing is ever wrong. That's right. You're yeah. going to find yeah. something good in everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very cool mosaic. And we're going to leave this segment with uh, thinking about how to reconnect our heart into a mosaic that is much more strong and maybe mm-hmm. has a new story to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be back to, to spend more time with the vet as she guides us to think in new ways and um, embrace who we are um, that allows us to grow in strength and power and community. We'll be right back. 